but um, on a serious note, be praying for the Clearmans and um, pray for Tessa, who uh, we go that we're um, going to be baptizing here whenever she gets to feeling better. Um, so that's an incredible story there. Um, you might get to hear a little bit of her story, but here we are in week three of our Book of Romans series, and, and I don't know about you all, but this this book has had a huge impact on my life over the last um, couple, two months that I've been reading through it over and over and over again, trying to, you know, trying to memorize some, not like the most popular th- key verses in Romans, but just some like, like just the fact that like, like when Romans says that, that the, 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 the grace of God cascades over us, empowering us with the gift of apostleship or to be messengers, but the messengers, messengers of what? The grace cascades into us, empowering us with the gift of apostleship so that we can win people. We can win people from every nation into what? You may remember obedience that's found in faith. Derek, that seems really confusing. Like, how do we do that? Well, Paul talks about that all through the book of Romans. One, we have to forget ourselves. Because as we learned in week one, is that for many of us, we have placed ourselves or other created things or people on the throne where God deserves to be sitting. And, it, and in that becomes a just wrath that is from God. We've, we've taken God off the throne and placed something else, something other created things. For some of us, it's other people. For some of us, it's sex. For some of us, it's Nintendo. I don't know what you're going to put on the throne, okay? Some of you, it's your mamas. You listen to your mamas too much. You know what I'm saying? We put people on the throne but we, but, but because we believe that we're good people. We believe we're good because our mamas told us we have a good heart. And she lied to us because the Bible says your heart is deceitful above reproach. Okay, you need to get that thing checked. Heart check. We believe that we're good because our mamas lied to us and telling us that we have a good heart or we see other see others and how wicked they are anybody see how wicked other people are you're like ooh, that nasty at least i ain't that you ever said that at least i'm not that bad my goodness i had a conversation with a kid this week at school first week back i'm like well at least i'm not doing bad enough like this person i'm like but you're still bad and paul tells us that right right after he talks about something that we all pretty much can say amen to he says but be careful remember don't judge the wickedness of others because you're guilty of what? The exact same thing. So you're just as dirty. Just as dirty. You can't judge the wickedness of others because you have wickedness in you. You're guilty of the exact same thing. So this leaves us trying to fix what has gone wrong in us. Right? How many of y'all have ever tried to fix anything and it not work? Or, let me say this, you may do a temporary fix, but eventually it breaks down. You may fix that part of the car, but eventually that car's going to be in the dump somewhere. You know why? Because you don't have the power to give something eternal life. Tried fixing the roof, the ceiling in my house, and it still leaks. We try to fix what's gone wrong in us, and the truth is, no matter how good you work, or how good you follow the standards, Paul tells us you can never be good enough, which leaves us broken, right? Like, what's the use of even trying? Or we may say it like this, I, I ne- must never do anything right. I say that quite a bit, Zane says that quite a bit now, and I'm going to have to quit saying it. 
You with me? We leave ourselves broken. Like, what's the point? What's even point of even trying? How can, if we can't meet the standard, then why don't we just all go to hell in a handbasket? And here's why. Because in week two, we discovered. Week two, we discovered that through the faithfulness of Jesus, not our faithfulness, but the faithfulness of Jesus, because if we were honest, we are such an unfaithful people. You with me? We discovered that through the faithfulness of Jesus, not our own faithfulness, because but the faithfulness of Jesus, the righteousness of God is tangible. It's been made visible. It's been made reachable. The standard in which we should live has been made reach, reachable through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. And here's why. And this is really important. Why this is important. Why you need to know that. Because this tells us that Jesus doesn't have T-Rex arms. He can reach you. He's not over here and like, if you just work a little bit harder, I can reach you. Josh, if you just take one more step, one more step, I almost got you. No, 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 no. This tells us that he goes, I'm going to make this righteousness tangible. And he places it in our laps. That's why our Old Testament friend and prophet Isaiah, he would write this, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. That means it doesn't matter how you walked in here. Maybe you're listening online right now and you need to hear this. It doesn't matter where you are right now. God can save you. He can reach you. I'm, t- like, I'm tired of hearing those people like, well, I've got to clean myself up before I can come before Jesus. No, 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 no. You can't clean yourself up. You might, could, like, you might could make yourself look like one of those Old Testament religious leaders and be like whitewashed tombs look good on the outside, but on the inside there's death. He says, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it, that it cannot hear. I don't care how, how you find yourself sitting there on the couch this morning or how you find yourself in here. God can reach you no matter what your story is. He's made it tangible. So let me show you how. Y'all ready? Chapter 5 of Romans. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. Our faith in Jesus, our faith in what? Not our own ability, not in what we can or can't do or what we have achieved and not achieved in him. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. And he now declares us flawless. Everybody say, I'm flawless. Yeah, you can only say that if you're a believer. In his eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God. That's, in, that's good news. Because that means that wrath that we talked about in chapter 1, it gone. Bye-bye. All because of what our Lord Jesus, because of what our Lord Jesus, Lord is an important word. He, listen, you, he can't be your Messiah. He can't be your Savior if he's not your Lord. If he's not your King, the one you bow down to, he's not your Messiah. Because he's not, he's not a God who says, I'm gonna, uh, you can just take from me what you want. He goes, no, if you, if you want my salvation, I have to be your Lord to you. I have to have full control of your life, your decisions. How you, how, you get what I'm saying? Like that, that hits me in the, hard in the heart. The Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for you. What Jesus has done for you. And I forgot, this is the wrong note in there. Apparently I forgot to change it. So if you want to change it real quick for me. It'll be, it'll be real cool, real cool, okay? But this transfer of righteousness, I'm going to do a quick edit. This transfer of righteousness, this is the note that I want you to write down. It's, this is what is called the scandal of grace. The scandal of grace. Write that down. The scandal of grace. Let me say it a third time. The scandal 
of grace. Okay, go ahead and go, go to that one. Yeah, yeah. The scandal of grace. This means, this is what this, is what this means. That when we didn't deserve it, when we, when we couldn't earn it, when, when we were, were by nature at war with our creator, God gave it to us anyways. That's like, you know, those scandals that you hear about on TV is that people have taken something that doesn't belong to them. That's why this is called the scandal of grace because it doesn't belong to you. <laughs> it's Jesus going, here, take it. It's mine, but you can have it. The scandal of grace, which proves this. This proves this. this is, I need to break quick. Clear out your wax real quick. This means that my God is not subject to my situation nor my sin, but my situation and sin is subject to my God. Okay. Joe heard me. I don't think anybody else did. If you hear me online, type in amen in the chat. You in there? My God, I'm going to say it one more time. My God is not subject to my situation nor my sin. My situation and sin is, though, subject to my God. Subject to my God. Which goes to the next note. You ready? You know, because this means, this means that God isn't swayed. You got to be quick. Write it quick. I'll give you my notes later, okay, if you need, if you need me to. I'll give you a copy of them. God isn't swayed by where you fail or fall but actually moves closer. I mean, you give you, you're like, Derek, Derek, that, I didn't grow, I didn't, that's not what I was taught growing up. Um, I saw if you, if you, if you fail and fall short, you, you know, it's almost like God turns your back, like he's nowhere, like you're, you've ran from God, but no, 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 no. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Let me give you some examples. You're like, Derek, that's, that doesn't sound biblical because my Sunday school teacher taught me that. Okay, hold me, hold me, hold me out. Jonah's running from God, running fast as fast as he can because he's saying you can't catch me, I'm a gingerbread man. He gets on a boat, and God's trying to get his attention. But I thought that God was far away because he was running, he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. No, God was getting his attention, he brought a storm, right? And those people start tossing everything over. But really what he, they needed to toss over was Jonah, right? You remember? Jonah's like, okay, there, he, it's God, he's after me, toss me out. He gets tossed out and he gets eaten by a fish, a whale, whatever you want to call it. It might just have been a giant goldfish. Nobody knows. It just says a large fish. Okay. And God speaks to Jonah at the furthest point he could have gotten from him. Okay, Derek, that's one story. That's, a, that's an exception. Okay, well, we'll go a little bit closer. A little bit closer. You ready? Um, somebody went to hop out of the boat to walk on water. You with me? He was doing good walking on water, wasn't he? You know that disciple I'm talking about? The one that always put his foot in his mouth? Peter steps out in the water, starts to take some steps, and takes his eyes off his Lord and Master. And what, what does it say happens? He begins to sink. And that's where Sunday school teachers sometimes say, see, if you don't keep your eyes on Jesus, you're going to sink in life. But it says that Jesus was right there to reach down and pull him up out of the water. Now, did Jesus say, you have little faith, you should have kept your eyes on me? Sure, he said that. But he was closer. So don't give me that crap. That, just saying. God isn't swayed by where you fail or fall, but actually moves closer. 
because like I, t- I was telling somebody the other day, they're like, all talk, asked me about some you know good things that's been going on at Shift Church and our our history and what God has done throughout the last couple of years, and and they and and they're like, well, how has how has all that been possible? And I said, I think honestly, in spite of me, <laughs> like, you know, you hear what I'm saying, like, which that's a personal story of no matter how far or how far off of what God has for me, I am, God is still close. And he's not swayed by where I fail and fall, but actually moves closer. Romans 5, we got, got, we're on a clicker. You ready? Our faith guarantees that I'm, no, before I read this next word, I'm not going to apologize for what the Bible says. Okay? So I'm just going to read it. Our faith guarantees us, what's that next word? Ooh. Permanent access into this marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. A minute, a minute. I love these next four words, but that's not all. <laughs> Even in times of trouble, we have joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. Endurance means to last. Throwing that out there. And patient endurance will refine our character, and proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. It's not make-believe. It's not fairies and ponies. Because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Here's what this means. The enemy will give me, a bad, give me bad news, bad diagnostics, and tell me I'm not good enough, which is what he's done to me the last... Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I was, glad that we did, I was glad that we did the summer revival series that we did, and I had other people come in and speak because those were some horrible months for me, if I was going to be honest. I'm glad other people came in because it probably would not have been good. <laughs> the enemy gives us bad news and bad diagnostics and tell, tells me I'm not good enough. But I've got a good report. Because I know the reporter. See, you can only get as far as the voice that you listen to. You can only get as far as the voice that you're willing to listen to. And for me, I was listening to the wrong voice. So what is this report that he speaks over us? What is this report? Want to hear the report? For when the time was right, The anointed one came and died to demonstrate his love for sinners who were entirely entirely helpless, weak, and powerless to save themselves. That's the report. When the enemy throws his darts of doubt, throws us the schemes of distraction, when he implants our minds with our with our with that saying you're weak and not good enough, and there's 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 no way you can make it, and you can look at Satan and say, you know. You know, Satan, you're right about one thing. I am weak, and I can't make it on my own. But, but, in my can't, Jesus did. Jesus did. So, I want you to write this down. Ready? Jesus did, dot, 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 and you have to say it like this. So, there is a way to measure up, and his name is Jesus. Because in my weakness, he became, became my strength. 
the devil, you can shut your mouth. Jesus is the only way that we're ever going to measure up. He is our report. When you stand before God one day, it's the, yeah, your life's going to be on the, on the screen before Jesus. But what God's going to see is how Jesus has changed you. Your report is him. Verse 7. Now who of us would dare to die for the sake of a wicked person? I I'm kind of scared to die for a good person, you know what I'm saying? We can all understand if someone was willing to die for a truly noble person. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. Ephesians 2. It's kind of funny how, how Paul parallels all of his other books, doesn't it? But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. When you didn't deserve it, when you didn't earn it, when you couldn't do anything to get yourself there, he did. And there is still much more to say of his unfailing love for us. For though the blood, the blood of Jesus, we, through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration, you are now righteous in my sight. Through what? The blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus. All because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never, ex never, experience, never experience the wrath of God. Never. So if while we were still enemies, God fully reconciled us. Fully. How, how, how much? Fully, all the way. Reconciled us to himself through the death of his son. Then something greater than friendship is ours. Is greater than a friend. Now, now that we are at peace with God, all because we share in his resurrection life, how much more... How much more we will be rescued from, from sin's dominion. And even more than that. You mean there's more? Yes. We overflow with triumphant joy in our new relationship of living reconciled to God. All because of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you this. The word reconciled in the Greek here means a great exchange. If you look up the word there for reconciled in the Greek, it means a great exchange. He exchanged our sin for his righteousness, our sin for his right standing. And some of you guys need to hear, hear this this morning, like, since we are fully reconciled, fully made, since he fully made the exchange your sin for your, sin, your sinfulness for his righteousness, you are his forever. Forever. You're like, Derek, I don't know if I believe that. Okay. Well, listen to what John records here. When the Jewish leaders encircled him, meaning Jesus, or encircled Jesus and said, how much longer will you keep us in suspense? Tell us the truth and clarify, even though Jesus has been clear from the beginning. Tell us the truth and clarify this for, the, for us once and for all. Are you really the Messiah, the anointed one? Oh, this is where Jesus starts to get himself in trouble a little bit. Listen to what he says. Jesus answered them, I have told you the truth already. Jesus is getting a little smart. I have told you the truth already, y'all. And you did not believe me. The proof of who I am is revealed by all the miracles that I do in the name of my Father. Yet... You stubbornly refuse to follow me because you are not my sheep. Uh-oh. 
as I have told you before, my own sheep will hear my voice, and I know each one, and they will follow me. I give to them the gift of eternal, eternal means forever, life, and they will f- never be lost. When does eternity start for the believer? Now. And I will give them the gift of eternal life, and they will never be lost. And no one has the power to snatch them out of my hands. That means you, me, or anybody else. My, my Father who has given them to me as his gift is, is the mightiest of all. And no one has the power to snatch them from my Father's care. That's you, yourself, or anyone else. But you're like, there, okay, that's just one passage. Romans 8 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's, that's the coffee verse. That's the coffee cup verse, isn't it? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? That's a scary word. We might talk about that here in a few weeks. It's God who justifies. Nothing you do or don't do justifies who you are. God justifies. Who who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is is at the right hand of God who indeed is interceding for us? Isn't it great that we, we have a God who listens to us and prays? And in fact, we have Jesus who says, are you hearing this, Father? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long, for we we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, we have that verse on the coffee cup too sometimes, don't we? Forgetting all that other persecution and all that other junk that's before it. So, if you're going to put something on a coffee cup, make sure it's in context. For I am sure that neither death nor life, so nothing, nothing you do, in this, here's the thing, most people think that's just physical death. But Ephesians 2 says that we're already dead. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nothing you do in your dead state or your living state, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, Jonah and Peter, you with me, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are His forever. It's kind of like this. If God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow close tomorrow and he looked at the children of Israel and said let me put it like this do the children of Israel have a choice to be God's people no what did what did God say to him I will be your God and you will be my people and that's still true today but what do they have the free will to do? To obey. They're still his. You, and now we are part of that inheritance of Abraham. We talked about that last week. 
now that we, we, he is our father, spiritual father now. And so that means we are his forever. We are his forever. So with this being true, let's get back to Romans 5. It says, when Adam sinned, the entire world was affected. Thanks, Adam. And notice it says Adam there, not Eve. You know why? Because there's another scripture that says that Adam was supposed to be in charge of his wife, to take care of his wife, make sure she's doing what she's supposed to be doing. And he says, Adam, it's your fault because you weren't doing what I told you to do. You with me? So women, if your wife, husband say, don't do it, don't do it. I'm just kidding. Don't. Oh, I'm going to get some emails. <laughs> just kidding. That was, a, that was supposed to be a joke and nobody laughed. It's like a, maybe you're laughing online. I don't know. When Adam sinned, the entire world was affected. Sin entered hum, human experience and death was the result. And that death isn't just physical death, even though that is what it is, but living in death. Some of us feel dead inside, right? And death was the result. And so death followed this sin, casting its shadow over all humanity because all have sinned. Who have sinned? Everybody. Sin was in the world before Moses gave the written law, but it was not charged against them against them where no law existed. Yet death reigned as king from Adam to Moses and through and, through, and though they hadn't broken a command, command the way Adam had, the first man, Adam, was a picture of the Messiah who was to come. You're like, Dick, but Adam messed up. His shadows are not a true image of what, was, what is to come. My shadow makes me look thinner than what I am. I wish I was more like my shadow. But it's not a true reflection of who you are, right? Now, there is no comparison between Adam's transgression and the, gra the gracious gift that we experience for the magnitude of the gift far outweighs the crime hello it's true that many died because of one man's transgressions but how much greater will God's grace and his, and his gracious gift of acceptance overflow to many because of what one man Jesus the Messiah did for us and this free-flowing gift imparts to us much more than, more than, what we, than, than what was given to us through the one who sinned. For because of one's transgressions, we are facing a death sentence with a verdict of guilty. Hold up. My favorite word. But this gracious gift leaves us free from, from our many failures and brings us into the perfect righteousness of God acquitted with the words not guilty death once held us in its grip and by and by the blunder of one man death reigned as king over humanity but now how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue to reign continue reigning as kings in life enjoying a regal y'all y'all are princes and princesses you with me Enjoy a regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus, the Messiah. This means that death, the ultimate separator, is defeated and stripped of its power. So if you're living in death right now, if, if something's dead on the inside of you and you're a believer, then you're giving death power that it never should have had.
In fact, Paul would write to some of our other New Testament brothers and sisters and friends. He would write this. So death, tell me, where is your victory? Tell me, death, where is your sting? It is sin that gives death its, its sting and the law that gives sin its power. But we thank God for giving us the victory as conquerors through our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. Our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. Death, yes, get rid of death, because death is stripped of its power. It has no hold on you. So what does this mean? Romans 5.18. In other words, just as condemnation came upon all people through one transgression, so through one righteous act of Jesus' sacrifice, the perfect righteousness that makes us right with God and leads us to a victorious life is now available to all. One man's disobedience opened the door for all humanity, humanity to become sinners. That's not fair, Derek. I'm just reading. So also, one man's obedience opened the door for many to be made perfectly right with God and, and, and acceptable to him. Equally not fair. Because we live in a society that we, we want to earn what we, got, what, we, what we give, right? That's not fair to, be, for, to hand me something. But you were handed sin, but you also were handed grace. Equally unfair. The scandal of grace. <laughs> you with me? So then, wait a minute, did I finish reading that one? Hold on a minute. One man's disobedience opened the door for, for all humanity to become sinners. So also one man's obedience opened the door for many to be made perfectly right with God and acceptable to him. So then, the law was introduced, introduced into God's plan to bring the reality of human sinfulness out of hiding. Because there's no excuse, remember? Week one. And yet wherever sin increased, there was more than enough of God's grace to triumph all the more. Huh. That's good news. That means it doesn't matter how much you mess up, His grace is like, here, let me keep cascading it over you. And just as sin reigned through death, so also this sin conquered this, this sin-conquering grace will reign as king through righteousness, imparting e eternal life through Jesus, our Lord and our Messiah. And our Messiah. I need you to do me a favor, Joe. There's a couple more verses. Go to Romans 5 in the Bible. Make sure it's Passion Translation, starting in verse 22 through 27. This is the good news, y'all. That this, this scandal is a good thing. This is a good scandal. When it wasn't fair that you, when it wasn't fair that you got that sinful nature, even though, let me just be honest, Adam was created. Adam was created perfect, and he still chose to disobey God which is kind of the point of the first couple of chapters of Romans, that we still cho openly choose rebellion. Sorry. Openly choose rebellion against God. You with me? We openly choose rebellion against God. But he says, even though that's not fair to me, I'm going to extend this grace that you don't deserve. 
So the question becomes, are you following that? Because let's, by human standards, that's a little bit reckless, isn't it? For all the hoopla that people hate that song over the word reckless, because God isn't reckless, but by human standards, he it seems pretty reckless. Because I don't know about you, but if somebody treats me the way that we treat God, sometimes I don't know if I would extend anything to them. But Jesus calls us to, doesn't he? So the same scandal of grace that we have received, we're supposed to hand this scandal out to those who are around us. So are you walking in that? We're not doing a song afterward. But here's how, here's how I'm going to ask you to leave. Leave celebrating. It says, in constant celebration. Constant, joyful celebration that we received something that we didn't deserve. And maybe you're here and you're like, Derek, I want to receive this. Come talk to me. Come talk to me. If you're online and you're like, Derek, I want to receive this grace, email me. Derek, D-E-R-E-K. Make sure you spell it right, because one of my pet peeves. D-E-R-E-K. I'm just kidding. If you spell it wrong, I just won't get the email. D-E-R-E-K at Shift Church Knoxville. Email me. Call me, 865-403-2343. I didn't give our address this time, babe. I don't know where she went. Let me know. But God, we want to thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for this grace. Thank you for this scandal. Thank you that we can leave here joyfully rejoicing for eternity because of this scandal. This not-so-dirty scandal but this gracious scandal, the scandal of grace that we've received through you. And I pray all this in your name. Amen. Hey, thank you guys so much for being here. Real quick before we turn that up to, to share a little bit more. Um, Accelerate, the group that's starting in September, normally that group is an invited to group. Like you have to be invited, but we're inviting the whole church to because of some convictions that I've had that I haven't, well, we need to start over and get restarted. And start again because I lost a little bit of what I believe we started with. You with me? And that even though we talk about it, but we want to make sure people are trained to be able to reach disciples. So we're we're this is something we're gonna invite the church. It's on it's gonna take the place for this season of small groups. So if you want to participate in a small group, you're gonna participate and accelerate. So it's invited to anyone who can come anybody wants to come. All right, so we'll do a season of this, and then we'll get back to try to get back to what we were focused on at the beginning when we first started Shift Church, okay? Is that cool, Beans? Love you guys. Mean it.